Well, hello, YouTube Power Hour Squad. Erica here for another fabulous interview for you guys. And this interview is extra cool because we've got a giveaway associated with it. So if you're not following me on Instagram at Beauty in the Vlog, then you're missing out on this fantastic giveaway. So this week's episode is with the founder of Jouer Cosmetics, Christina Zilber. And before we dive into her interview, for all you newbies out here, welcome to the YouTube Power Hour podcast. And for your returners, thank you so much for continuing to tune in week after week. Like I said, I have something special for you guys this week in connection with Christina of Jouer. We, we did a nice giveaway for you guys. So all the rules for the giveaway are going to be in the show notes at ericavira.net forward slash Jouer or go over to my Instagram at beauty and the vlog and you'll get all the info of this amazing giveaway. I'm super, super excited about it. And thank you, Jouer, for, for giving the amazing products for this awesome giveaway because the Jouer's and Christina's products from this brand are amazing. They're so, so good. And if you've never heard of Jouer Cosmetics, then you definitely will now after today's episode. And I have a feeling if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have, especially considering that they just got into Sephora recently. But for this interview, I had the pleasure of speaking with Christina, who spilled all the tea when it comes to working with influencers as a brand. As a personal fan of Jouer products, it was really cool to get a behind-the-scenes look at how the brand was formed and how it became the online powerhouse that it is today. So if you're interested in seeing how the other side works you know, the perspective of the brand and learning what they are going through when it comes to working directly with influencers, then you'll love this episode. And Christina shares exactly what she looks for when selecting influencers to add to her PR package list, as well as her thoughts on what other brands are saying about influencers and the secret weapon that helped transform Jouer into a social makeup brand. So let me know how you're liking this podcast episode. Head on over to my Instagram at Beauty and the Vlog for the giveaway. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Mwah. Well, hello, Christina. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you. Yes, I'm so excited to have you. I'm personally such a big fan of your brand and the products. And I know you are the mastermind behind this incredible brand. So I'm super excited to have you on the show and dive deep into a little bit of your business, a little bit of how you use influencer marketing. But before we get into that, why don't you just tell our listeners a little bit about you and how Jouer came about? Sure. So it's a little bit of a windy road, which I think life is a windy road. And I never thought when I was young that I would end up doing what I'm doing. But I started out modeling when I was about um, 20. And this was a time where influence, I mean, Instagram didn't exist. There, were, I, I learned everything that I know about makeup really sitting in the makeup chair, like having professional, real professionals, like actual amazing makeup artists working on me. And I felt like makeup was magic. Like there was something mm -hmm. about how you just sat down in that chair and they can transform you. Like you, you come in with like bags and dark circles <laughs> and whatever it yeah. is, you know, and you sit in that chair and magic happens and they transform you. And there's just that feeling of, you know, taking care of yourself and walking out as someone different. Like it just, it's so empowering and such a confidence booster. And I just loved makeup. And every time somebody used something on me, I was like, what is that? Why did you use it? You know, I just wanted to know everything about it. And I started 
becoming a makeup junkie. And, you know, I read all the magazines and I was just really, I just, it was a passion of mine and something I loved so much. And, um, that went into act like I, you know, was, was going, moving into acting. And once again, my favorite place to be was in the makeup trailer. Like that is where a, all the fun was happening. Like that's, it's mm-hmm. the most relaxed place. It's, you know, and the magic is happening there. So I just was like always really attracted to that, not thinking ever that that would be something I would do. But, um, I ended up having kids. I got married and had kids and kind of moved in a behind the, the camera position. I was, I was actually producing. And, um, I had this, I, I had two young kids and I had this idea as makeup palettes were coming about. It was that, makeup palettes always have colors in them that you don't necessarily want. Mm-hmm. Like you, you want one color in there, but you know, why can't you have a concealer? No makeup palette really has a concealer and it wouldn't match you because everybody's an individual skin tone. So I had this kind of wacky idea, like, wouldn't it be great if there was a makeup palette where you could build it yourself and put the colors that you want in and remove them. And if you only wanted to bring, because palettes are so bulky, like what if you just wanted the lip out of that? So I, I, kept talking about this concept. It's just the weird things, how, how they manifest. But I kept talking about this concept and I would tell everybody like, wouldn't that be cool? I think people thought I was crazy because I'm talking makeup, you know, yeah. like, what is going on? But, uh, I happened to talk to somebody who knew a woman who was leaving Lorac. She was becoming a consultant and she said, you know, my friend is leaving Lorac. I'll put you in touch with her. She probably could give you some advice on how to do this because I kept thinking like maybe I should start something. Maybe there's, you know, something I could do. So I had a conversation with her and she said, that's actually a really unique idea. And I get presented a lot of ideas. Everybody wants to start a lipstick line. Everybody wants to do something that's already out there, but, you know, really finding something that doesn't exist is unique. And so she said, let's, you know, let's work together. Let me shop this idea around with engineers and packaging people and see what we can come up with. And that was the start of the business. And that was over 10 years ago. I launched Jouer in 2008. And and my original concept with the brand was, and if you look at my vials now, my, my liquid lipstick vials or Mm -hmm. my lip toppers, they have a little track on the side, which we, yes. funny enough, we, yes, we don't even use that I've always anymore. wondered what that was for. But our original packaging had this slide system mm-hmm. where you could buy a large compact and slide your lip gloss or your you know, liquid lipstick onto the compact and you could build them out as you wanted. So that was my original sort of vision of the brand. Mm-hmm. And um, I launched in 2008 at Henry Bendel's and um, that's so it's been a long time. <laughs> so okay okay let's let's go back yeah. that's that's yeah. that's so interesting so I love that you have a background in you know acting and you in the makeup chair that's that's so fun and that love of makeup is so there's a there's a like you said there's magic that happens in that transformation and yeah. um it's a lot of fun so you were at this point you were a mom and you were done with the acting thing and you're kind of like okay yeah. I want to I want to you know, I, do you have a little bit of an entrepreneurial bug in you or, you know, was there something that you grew up around or what made you like, Oh, I, I, I want to do this. I don't know. I definitely think that I'm a think outside of the box person. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I just, I love creativity. I love creating things. So Mm -hmm. I, I don't necessarily, I didn't really have entrepreneurial parents per se. I just, 
I'm telling you that makeup called me. I didn't Mm. call it. It was like, I was so attracted to it. And this idea was living inside of me. It was like you, like a little voice, like you have to do this. You have to do this. So I thought, of course, being naive, I'll just do this when the kids are napping. I'll just, you know, I'll do it a couple of hours a day. Oh my gosh. No way. (laughs) (laughs) No way. No way. The beauty of starting any business is that naivete that you, you think it'll be one way and it actually just takes over your life, you know? So what happened when you launched in Henry Bendel, which unfortunately I, is like no longer around anymore, no, which is so crazy. No, yeah. I just found out that closing. Yeah. It was such a, like an iconic building and an iconic mm-hmm, institution in for launching makeup brands. They launched Mac. Mm. Um, in the United States there, they really were visionaries about bringing in independent brands in and we loved them and they ended up getting bought by, um, the limited brands yeah. and then they ended up doing their own sort of manufacturing of bags and, and they just went a whole different direction and now they're selling their store. I know, the- I know all their stores uh, yeah. apparently, but so yeah. how did, so how did it, uh, how did the response go? I mean, how was it when you launched in Henry Bendel? So, so take us from there to kind of your next couple steps. Okay. So I launched in Henry Bendel's and it was a very, it was a time where there was a very traditional route of marketing and, <clears throat> and exposure. You know, I would fly to New York for desk side meetings with beauty editors mm. and show them collections, you know, show them my new products and pray that they will talk about it because mm-hmm. beauty editors at that time were the um, gatekeepers, the gods. Yeah. They were the gatekeepers and the gods. And honestly, it's, it's just so different now because they, I felt like they didn't even love makeup. So mm-hmm. I would walk into the, um, the room and I would have somebody sitting in front of me who was very jaded. They've, they've been exposed to every brand, everything. They've seen every marketing story. They're bored. Mm-hmm. They're not inspired by makeup. And I would have to do a dog and pony show to try to show them my product. And I just always felt like, you know, it was it was just so hard for me to get my message across to the customer. And Uh, I went down, you know, I spent a lot of time, you know, doing, I did HSN, I did QVC and then I did HSN and, Mm. you know, I, I, I always was trying to get placements in magazines. That was sort of the thing or a placement in television, you know, whether it was like on a show, like, um, you know, like I'm trying to think like a, a, a morning talk show or something like that. And, um, I, in, in 2000 and 15, I think it was, I did uh, HSN and my business was going well just because of certain outlets like Birchbox. Birchbox had come onto the scene Mm. and they were one of the first outlets for me that was not the traditional outlet. Like they just really were disruptors in the industry by taking brands and putting them in boxes and delivering them to people that wouldn't normally ever see your brand. And my business started growing because of that, because new people were, you know, starting to see, uh, Jouer and being mm-hmm. exposed to it. And, um, and Birchbox was just a really great partner with me. And, um, so, you know, I was, I was doing okay, but I just wasn't known. Like there's just, you know, there were so many, there's, I still feel like I'm not known. I still feel like there's just so many people in the world <laughs> that need to be exposed to yeah. Jouer, but you know, that was just really like one of the first turning points. And then I did HSN and I had this fascinating conversation with NUR. I met NUR. Mm-hmm. who we both know. Yes. yes. I'll set that up. 
Um, so Nur was an on-air sort of blog, a blogger that they would bring on on special occasions to talk about trends. On, on, on HSN or QVC. Which one was HSN. it? HSN, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was HSN. And she was living in Florida. Mm-hmm. I had no idea who she was. I, I saw her in her segment before mine. So she was sort of setting up the segment. And then we ran in, into each other in the hallway. And she introduced herself to me. And I just thought, wow, this is, she's so beautiful. And how, you know, she was really great. And she said, she said, oh, I, you're going to laugh. You're going to just laugh. This is a terrible story. I'm embarrassed to say it, but it really was a turning, <laughs> it was a turning point in my career. She said, oh, yes, you know, what are you here for? I said, oh, I'm showing my highlighter. She goes, oh, I love your highlighters. I've seen Desi talk about them all the time. And I was like, what? Who's that? <laughs> Who's that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, Desi Perkins, you should really send her a package. She loves your highlighter. And I'm like, um, okay. You know, I just yeah. was like, I don't, like she was speaking a language I didn't really understand. Oh so I came back and we, we, I think I sent Nura package. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, well, that girl's nice. Let me send her a package. Yeah. So I sent Nura package and we ended up, you know, making friends. And then I would come out to Florida and we'd have dinner. You know, every time I came out to Tampa, she would, um, you know, for HSN, she, she and I would get together and she really opened my eyes to a world that I did not know existed. It sounds so naive. I can't even believe I'm saying it because it was, it was really at the, the moment just before everything exploded in social media. I think it was like that, you know, my first meeting with her was maybe in the fall of 2014 and then mm. through 2015, like spring of 2015, we would, we would have these meetings. And I finally just was like, she taught me people I didn't know. And, you know, introduced me to how brands are working with influencers. And I just was like, no, you need, I'm hiring you mm-hmm. as a consultant and you need to teach me how to do this because my team doesn't know I was going down the traditional PR route and I had a PR company. And I had engaged with bloggers, like I had even done blogging lunches and hosted blog events, but Mm. it was the right people. And the whole PR industry had no idea what was happening. They Mm. didn't. But Nur knew. I knew Nur knew. And I was like, you are going to teach me this. (laughs) So I would fly Nur out. She would come and sit at my office for two or three days every, um, like every month she would come out and and teach my team how to send mailings, how to, um, and by the way, audience, Nur has been on Erica's show and you should listen to her. Um, you should listen to her episodes because I think they're called episodes, but yeah, I was going to say that for those of you that might be new to the podcast, Nur is a, she isn't so much do, I mean, she has, she has her YouTube channel, but she's definitely an influencer. And I had her on the podcast twice. So if you want to hear from this incredible Nur herself, then definitely check out uh, the podcast. She was also a guest uh, <clears throat> speaker in my uh, my boot camp as well. And she came in and talked all about this influencer marketing and answered questions and stuff to my boot camp where she's she's incredible. She's you know, she's a good friend of mine. I know she's a good friend of yours. And and yeah, so for those of you curious, you could check her out um, and I'll link the show uh, the other episodes in the show notes. Yeah, that's, yeah, everybody should listen. So mm-hmm. Nur, you know, I, I brought her out and I had her teach my team and I learned and, and in 2015 in about June of 2015, uh, she and I went to Gen Beauty together and mm-hmm. 
that was one of my first exposures to, you know, all these people. She was grabbing people and introducing them to me. And gra- and I had a little bit of a name at that point. So people were open to meeting me and, and talking to me. Um, but it just was a whole new world. And, and from there, I just, you know, started in working with influencers in a meaningful way. Yeah, I want to talk about the influencer thing, but I want to kind of go back and unpack some of the stuff that you talked about because it's such a really interesting, fascinating story because you really have have been exposed to kind of this whole environment. And because I think you're a smaller-ish company, you're not like a huge conglomerate, you're able to pivot and kind of move with with the changes. So this is one question that I was thinking when you were talking and actually when you first launched. you You first launched in 2008. That was when the recession happened. Oh my God. Yes. Thank you for mentioning that. Yeah. We, and we launched in New York. Yeah. In, oh my God. I think we launched like, like August fall? 4th. <laughs> oh exactly. We launched like August 4th. We had a huge month. The month of August was just, it was big. It was booming. It was fantastic. And then I think it was October. October's interest. Yeah. Yep. It just, bam, like New York shut down. Mm -hmm. And I always say, like, I built my legs during the recession, which was very difficult, but also taught me so much. I'm sure, you know, I, it really did. So I, it was, there was no easy, you know, it was not an easy time at all. Like I just really had, and, and I had time then to hone my skills in product development and packaging. And I just really was deliberate about moving slowly, like opening new doors is not an easy task as a, as a brand. Like you have to know how to maintain them. You know, you have to know how to stock inventory for them and you can't just open doors and assume people will buy because there's, it really showed me that you, that marketing is so important because you can't expect people to just come in and buy your products. Yeah. It's not like if you build it, they will come. <laughs> oh God. No, I wish. Yeah. So, so when the recession happened, you were still in Henry Bendel's yeah. or were you already kind of at that point? I mean, that's right. When you launched, that was like- yeah, that was like one month in. That was yeah. like two, mu- two oh my months God, that's, later. That's so, crazy. Yeah. So then yeah. uh, from there, you moved to kind of this traditional traditional media, the QVC, the, yes. all that. How what, what happened with your original concept of that kind of putting together the eyeshadow palettes and all that? So we still have some of the products on the website. Mm. What, what I learned along the way is that packaging isn't going to sell the customer. So, and, and there's a couple of roads on that thought. One is that the the customer really wants something that's going to perform well on their face Mm -hmm. and be, you know, and inspire them in that way. I think packaging is secondary in that like, oh yeah. And you can slip it in your bag. It's not like, look, you can slip it in your bag. You know, it's like that, the the leading kind of idea has to be this, the the way it transforms your face, not Mm -hmm. the way it it kind of works in your handbag. And also we were very limited. It's a very expensive process. We did um, our own packaging. So we custom tooled packaging, which Mm -hmm. is very expensive and it didn't allow for changes. So, you know, decoration changes and once a magazine has taken a photograph and, you know, published a photograph of your component, they're done with it. They don't want to see it again. Mm. Even if you fill it with another color, you're not going to get the same kind of coverage. They want new, they want, you know, they, they want their plate, their pages to look different every month, year over year. So that was very limiting. We felt very constricted by, you know, what 
what we were, you know, what the only kind of things we could put inside of this kind of packaging. So I started to shift away from that and do individual, um, you know, components that stand alone and that just could live as just a great product. And so how did you become kind of savvy with the product development side of things? Because that's one thing Nerd told me is that that's something that's really kind of near and dear to your heart. I mean, you you obviously had to learn it because you you didn't have like a chemistry background or anything like that. So how did you get, how did you familiarize yourself and get yourself kind of in this part of the process? Well, I think that's, that's just part of the play for me. Like I love it. And I think, you know, I just love it. I, I'm I'm very picky with what I put on my skin. Mm-hmm. So I had to, and I I have I have all kinds of issues. I I'm so sen- my skin is so sensitive. I get sunspots really easily. I break out really easily. Um, you know, I'm aging, so I'm fighting all kinds of battles on my face. So I had to really educate myself with you know what works and what doesn't work. What ingredients are okay? What ingredients aren't okay? And just working with, just working with product developers, I have an amazing, amazing product development team. I love them so much. And, you know, the knowledge they bring to the table Um, and then just me, you know, me going to labs and, you know, talking to their chemists, I read um, trade magazines and there's a lot of magazines out there that you can just subscribe to if you're interested in that kind of thing. Um, You know, so there's global cosmetic industry. There's, um, the, I mean, I belong to CEW. Mm-hmm. There's, there's so many research, re, uh, you know, resources that, that you can educate yourself. So it's just, it's something that I dive head on into and really enjoy kind of refining. And I mean, it takes me years to develop a product. It's crazy. One product. Just, yeah. It takes me years. So I've, I've been developing a, <laughs> a face mist, Hmm. Honestly, it's like a joke with my followers for at least three years now, oh. because I, I just, I, I, I say no to everything. My team hmm. hates me sometimes because I'm just like constantly like, if I personally wouldn't put this on my face, if I would go to the store and choose another brand personally, mm-hmm. why am I going to make it? Yeah. Yeah. There's you know, a lot I, of integrity with that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to put something on my, I'm not going to pretend. I don't want to pretend and, you know, say I use something, but really I'm using something else. And I love other products. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm a total product junkie. I have more product than anybody. I buy everything that comes out, but I need to do it better. Mm. I think that's great. I mean, it's great because you are like, you know, a lover of makeup and you translate that into your products and you infuse that with that passion. It sounds like from the get go, you've always, you haven't really done this on your own. Like you've always been very resourceful and gotten other people to help you and guide you. It's not like at the beginning you had that woman from Lorac who's consulting and now you have a team. Has that kind of always been how you've done things? Absolutely. Because you, I always say to my team, especially you have to know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. That is just key. You can't think if you think, you know, everything you're just, you're just wrong. You know, there are experts in every field and, you know, I just want to learn. I mean, if if you knew how many podcasts I listen to, I am always learning. There's just not a moment where I'm not trying to like soak it in. And I want people around me who are smarter than me. I want people guiding me who know more than me because, you know, that's the only way we're going to get better. I love that. I'm such a huge believer in that as well. Of yeah. I'm the same way too. I'm like constantly, I mean, that's why I started podcasts. I'm constantly soaking up information and learning. Yeah. And I, you have to be humble enough to know that you don't know it all. 
That's right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And yeah. so, um, what, okay. So now you're, we're at this point now where we can talk a little bit about, you know, this influencer marketing thing. But one thing I think is interesting for you is that you're still kind of your own independent company, right? You're still yeah. the owner of, of the company. Yeah. So yeah. that gives you almost the, the liberty to be able to take three years to develop a product. Otherwise, you know, that's what totally. they call it, selling out. You know, once, once yeah. that's done, it's like you have certain deadlines. Yeah, that's true. And we have, we put deadlines on ourselves. Mm -hmm. So that's what I call a blue sky product. The blue sky products, I have a whole list of them. Mm -hmm. They're not put on the calendar because they're not necessarily, um, they don't have a deadline. Like we, we, we have a mix of products with a deadline and products without a deadline that just have to be, you know, something that I'm concocting that are really great. I have a whole list of those, but, um, but we're pretty solid at this point. There are expectations from our retailers of delivery. So mm. um, we're beholden in certain ways. We have to deliver a product. So I wish I could just take my time with everything and not have to sell. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So you were online only for a while, though. Right. Um, or no? Yes, we were. We we were online only though I will say we've been in a handful of boutiques. Mm. So we did open along the way, small boutiques that begged us and that loved us. And, um, you know, we, we definitely are, and we're still in probably 25 to 50, but now we're opening this coming month in February, we're going into 50 doors of Sephora. So we're on Sephora online, but we're now going into 50 doors. I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's really fun. Um, and we're just, you know, figuring out our distribution. Like I said, I'm always, I've always been really cautious about distribution because it can make or break your business. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to just throw myself out there and then not be able to maintain it. You know, there's a lot that goes into maintaining an account. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Is that, is, is that the first retailer you're in, in, in stores other than those small boutiques? I'm trying to think. I mean, other you're not in Nordstrom's or anything, right? Oh, well, okay. So we did do a little, we're, we're in Nordstrom's online. And then there was a Mm. time when Nordstrom, we were at Nordstrom counters Mm -hmm. in some stores. They had a, they were kind of testing this concept of shared counter space with other brands. So I think there were like five brands with us at a Mm -hmm. counter. It didn't really work Mm -hmm. for them. They took the whole thing away because if one person is standing at that counter, your brand doesn't get any attention. Mm. So with most retailers, and which is why, you know, I made a conscious decision. It was probably about the same time, like 2015, 14, 15. Department stores were not doing well. Like literally after the recession, I don't think they ever really recovered from, um, you know, just people, the, the, the rise in online shopping happened. And in order to be in a department store, you have to staff. It's, it's crazy. The setup, it's like, so it's like so hard for brands because you have to pay for all the staffing. You have to pay for the salesperson. You have to pay for the displays. You have to pay for the testers. You have to, you know, you are spending a ton of money Mm. to put it there. And then six people are shopping that day. There's no way you're going to make that up, Yeah, you know? So I knew that was a little bit of a black hole. The only reason to go into a department store at that point would have been for some kind of credibility, you know, Mm -hmm. like, oh, well, you're, you know, that was Bendel's. Like I always had that kind of hook. Well, yes, I'm in Henry Bendel's. That sort of uh, gave me credibility. But to actually make money, you're not going to make any money. And so how is Sephora different? 
Sephora is different because it's just, it's not a department. It doesn't have that same department store stigma. Like women still want to go in, mm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. because I think that open shopping space allows you to play with the makeup and have fun and it's great exposure. And yeah, I just, it's a very different environment than department stores. I mean, I feel like anytime I go into a Sephora, it's packed, like no matter what time yes. it's crazy. It's like, there's always a line. <laughs> That's right. Everybody loves a Sephora. I always feel like when I'm traveling, if there's a CVS and a Sephora nearby, I'm comfortable. (laughs) You feel good. I'm good. I'm good. (laughs) You feel good. But I would, but I'd imagine the majority of your sales have have come from online up until this point. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And so would you equate then that popularity of being online with more that influencer marketing space that you ended up going into? Yes, 100%. 100%. I mean, when we started working with influencers, the business doubled easily mm. within a year. Wow. So yeah, tell us a little bit about that, a little bit about that influencer strategy that you started yeah. to implement when you started to work with Nur. How did you kind of yeah. change your approach to your business? So what we ended up doing was every launch that we had coming up. So we had seasonal launches and every time we had a season, you know, that was coming up, we would kind of brainstorm, how do we want to present this to influencers? How do Mm -hmm. we want to do our mailings? You know, how do we stand out in a sea of product? Um, And we didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have a budget for, you know, PR boxes. Like now we have that kind of budget, but Mm -hmm. at the time we did. So it was, it was really scrappy. I'm telling you, it was so scrappy. (laughs) Creative. And you know, it was fun. It was like, it was really fun to be creative. And, you know, just watching, you know, we would, we would watch Instagram and be like, are they going to do or Snapchat, you know, because Snapchat mm-hmm. was really big. time, And like, you know, are they going to unbox it? Oh, my God, they unboxed it, you know, and, you know, we would do things like engrave their names on a lipstick component, and then send that out or, um, you know, things that were just things we already had, but we could just stick in a little box and, and do our own way. And, um, we just noticed an uptick and, and, and also at the same time, I was becoming more engaged as the face of the brand. So mm. I had my own Snapchat and I would start, I would do giveaways every week about, I would do giveaways that started on my Snapchat and it drove so many people to my Snapchat. And, um, and then Instagram stories of course came out later, but that was just a, for the first time in my whole like career of this beauty business, I was able to tell the customer why something, why I made something, why it matters, mm-hmm. why it's good. And I always had to depend on other people for that. And that was just so frustrating, you know, begging them to write about something. Mm-hmm. And so that just give like, it like that the full opened- story, like give it like really, yes. yeah, the important point. Yes. So it was just like, that was very, you know, freeing for me to be able to communicate directly with my customer and tell them, you know, and take them along the process. Like I really take people, you know, into the lab with me or to the trade shows and show them what I'm looking at. And, um, you know, I just, so I feel like that gave me credibility. And, um, I also started just engaging more with influencers. So, you know, I have connections with them, Uh, Many of them I have like, you know, just really strong connections with and I'm constantly learning from them. And um, yeah, so I started seeing just an uptick in our sales. I I would say within a few months of starting, you know, sending out little influencers, I think now it's very, very different Mm -hmm. because it's so saturated. We're sort of changing our tactic a little bit. Um, But that's that was like the really the birth of Jouet as being known 
funnily enough, as a social brand, which just makes me laugh because I think we really came in at exactly the right time. Yeah, the timing. Was teaching me all these brands I had never heard of. Sigma, Morphe, um, Ofra. Like Mm -hmm. there were brands on social media that were killing it Mm -hmm. that I'd never heard of. And none of my friends have have even, even my friends now still haven't heard of. Yeah. You know, that's just a whole little world. It is. I mean, I feel like Morphe now has freestanding stores, so they're getting, you know, more and more out there. Uh, It's crazy, you know, because they did start as an online uh, kind of influencer brand. And so for you, when you, it sounds like, so you had NUR come in and basically help you. Did, Did she help you or how did you guys decide at the beginning, like who you would be reaching out to? Yeah. She helped us create a list. Mm -hmm. She helped us create a list for sure. I think, you know, and back then, you know, I look back then it's kind of with this like nostalgia because everybody was so young and enthusiastic. And that's when, I don't know if you remember this, but when you go to Gen Beauty, they'd all be there. Mm -hmm. So like I got to meet. Oh yeah. They were all there. Yeah. Everybody. Mm -hmm. They were all there. They were running around and meeting people and having fun and they weren't being mobbed at that time. Like it was, free mob days. So mm-hmm. Manny, you know, w- like I met all of them, all of them. Yeah. Like, I've met know. all of them at the gym beauty, the different beauty events and things like that. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they all, it just was so casual and easy and, and fun. And Nur knew all of them because that was her world. She lives and breathes that world. Mm-hmm. And so she would like, just take me by the hand and grab me and like, you know, come, you have to meet, you know, this person or that person. And, you know, and even if she had never met them, she knew how to approach them. She mm-hmm. knew how she knew their language and how to talk to them. And so, you know, um, she came to the office and really honed a list. I think we maybe even just had 20 people or 20 between 20 and 50 people in the beginning on our list of send outs and um, helped us kind of put that list together. We started an affiliate program where um you know, we, we reached out to like 10 people and said, Hey, would you be interested in, 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 you know, joining our affiliate program? And we just like slapped that together and got our you know website capable of that. And that was a, a huge driver for us because we were, they were then selling our product, you know, mm-hmm. that was, and, you know, and I look at our affiliate list. It's so interesting in our top 10 list. Like, yes, there are some people on there who have millions of followers, but there's also some that have 20,000 followers that are doing great, Mm. you know, and I don't know if we're going to continue with that. We're we're sort of just really trying to think how this affiliate world is going to work for us in the future. Because once you're in retail stores, it's a little bit different. They don't want you to be giving that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd imagine that it's going to change things. Yeah, for sure. So, um, but that was how it all started. Wow. And so you saw an uptick in sales working with certain, certain influencers and so it it, now it's kind of like well that's you know that that is like the traditional influencer marketing right so sending out packages with every collection to every influencer and then you know hoping praying that they talk about it I but at the same time I do think you you kind of touched on this before the product though is king because if your product sucks then they're not going to talk about it or they're going to talk bad about it a hundred percent, a hundred percent. There was that video uh, like a month ago or two months ago from a, br- a another brand that was mm-hmm. basically an online brand. And she came out saying, you know, these influencers, you know, I, you haven't seen my products because they won't talk about it because they require, 
you know, $40,000 a post and, you mm-hmm. know, they, they're, and they're getting paid to talk badly about other brands. And I'm like, I don't see that at all. I just don't. I think that if you're sending it out, yeah, they, they, they do get paid a lot of money, but they also will talk about a product if they really love it. Yeah. You know, I just haven't had that experience where they're like, look, I'm not going to talk about it unless you pay me this much money. You know, they're just, they're not doing that. I don't think they're doing that. So is that the Marlena for makeup geek said that, right? Yeah. I didn't want to say it out loud, but yes, I mean, we could say it because you know, people are thinking it. It's just, the thing is, is that I I saw that too. And I kind of thought the same thing too. I'm like, uh, it, it seemed yeah, there there might be a few people, maybe, but there are so many influencers out there that are not in that space. Like there are thousands yes. of influencers out there that and are not like that. A hundred percent. I mean, first of all, there's that's such a huge world that mm-hmm. I don't know who she's looking at in particular, but even the ones who have 5 million followers if they like your product, they will talk about it. And mm-hmm. yes, it's hard to get noticed for sure. But they, I just, I don't, I don't see them as that's their authenticity. That yeah. really is their authenticity. If they don't talk, if they're only ad hashtag ad hashtag ad hashtag ad, nobody's going to make Nobody's going to follow them. It, yeah. I mean, I, I interview, I've interviewed hundreds of influencers and people yeah. that range from, you know, a hundred 200,000 YouTube subscribers all the way up to five or 7 million. And, and the majority of them are, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff that goes on and, and obviously, you know, YouTube, because of its algorithm ends up promoting all these drama videos and all this stuff. But the reality (laughs) is when you really sit down and you talk to people, uh, there's only a very small amount of people that are like these uber famous influencers. And then there's this huge crop of people. And I wouldn't even call them micro influencers, like huge crop of people that are decently sized influencers having half a million subscribers, even up to a million subscribers that really are genuine with their audience. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, so, that, and those are, those are the ones that write like, so now we're really focusing on just like new people that are, you know, that we haven't had a touch point with, you know, and just sending them like little welcome packages and getting to know, because there's so many of them. There's so many. It's crazy. There's yeah. so many. And then if you, I see this because I mean, I work with people directly and this happens, this happened to some of my students. I mean, there's people literally that, that, that start. And then within six or eight months, they're at 50,000 subscribers. Amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. And it, it, it happens because there's a lot of different components. You know, it's, they have the personality, they touched on something, they have a great niche, whatever it is. But regardless, there are these new people that are hungry, that are not jaded, that haven't been receiving, you know, 30,000 PR packages (laughs) and saying, stop. I mean, there's influencers out there that I've seen that said, stop sending me PR packages. I know. Have you said, what do you think about that? Because there's a few people that who like made up a deal about like, don't send it to me because of the waste. And and I get it. I see these people and they're getting literally like boxes upon boxes upon boxes. Like, what do you think about that as a brand? It's, it's exploded. It just, Mm -hmm. it's exploded. I I feel for them, honestly, because I I know them and I know how overwhelming and daunting it is just for them to do an unboxing. They feel Mm -hmm. that organizing and they feel they see it from a different perspective than we do that they they're they're throwing stuff out they're it's just it's taking over their life and mm-hmm. a lot of it is unnecessary and so i i understand it i think that they have to just be careful about not looking kind of spoiled about it all because you know yeah. they're in a really amazing position a lot of people would kill to have all that free product and you know but 
Yeah. yeah. I, I 100% agree with you on that because I, I, I know, you know, I know a lot of people too. And I, and it is, it can be very, very overwhelming to get packaged. Even, even at, at my size, I'm not nearly yeah. as big, but I get, you know, I get a lot of PR packages. I mean, I have to say though, I love getting them. I mean, it's like, I love it. I'm right. not jaded by it yet, but yeah. like, even at my very, at my small size, it still is like the packaging. You're like, okay. And yeah. but, I mean, I love it, but I could see where somebody who's very big and I have friends like that, it, it becomes like a daunting task. Yeah. But you're right though, at the same time, you have to be very sensitive to your audience and understand that sit, sitting there and, and complaining about uh, too yeah. many, too much free product really <laughs> can rub people the yeah. wrong way. So I was watching, um, I was watching Jordan Liberty. He's a mm -hmm. makeup artist. Oh, yeah. and oh, we work I love with him. him. Yeah. Oh my oh, gosh. I love him. Yeah. I know. And um, he's a photographer and he's I need done to get a him. I need to get him on the show. I need to, I need to oh, talk to you about that. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's amazing. Sure he I've followed it. him forever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm sure he would do it. So he was talking this morning on on his Instagram stories about he he had shown a NARS box that had come in and mm. and he works with NARS and it, it was so big and I and I think he said I have it already like it's a double and so people were asking him what do you do and he said I bring them to I bring I donate it to women's shelters mm -hmm. uh, he just recovered from he's had cancer, cancer twice and has recovered and he said I donate to I give them to the nurses that cared for me which mm. made me just love him more mm. um, so you know, putting that message out, that's amazing. Like do things like that. Yes. Than, so, yes. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you because, uh, you know, I mean, for me too, like when I get product, I don't use it. I, I give it away to people. I give it to people that I know are going to really appreciate yeah. it. And so it's like, that's kind of like how I feel. Well, you know what? Like, instead of really complaining about it, just, just say, you know, well, I'm going to, I'm going to donate this or, or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Do giveaways or whatever. So from a, from a business perspective, does that make you, I know you kind of said this, that you, you want to go with new people, but does that make you change your approach a little bit in regards <clears throat> to the packaging yeah. of it or who you send it to? We're trying, you know, it, we're trying to minimize the packaging so that it's not like, I think it used to be the bigger, the better. Mm -hmm, so like, mm -hmm. you know, the big, huge things would come into the room and like, you know, they crack the egg and find the product and all that. Well, We're like, uh, who, who did, um, a lot of people put them on blast, uh, beauty blender. Yes. Did you see that huge, huge, huge package that they did? <laughs> yeah. But it gives well, attention it's, though. It's, it's weird because it's like, you know, sometimes bad press is well, yeah. no, no, uh, any press is good press, right? I mean, Beauty Blender, it was big, it was obnoxious, but everybody was talking about it and everybody, you know, it was out there. Yeah, exactly. But I think we're trying to just make something meaningful, mm -hmm. a little bit smaller. So there's less packaging and sometimes, you know, we're, we're sending out a PR package right now. They're literally leaving the warehouse today. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's so ridiculously beautiful. I can't even believe it. It's something that they will keep mm. in their home forever or mm -hmm. for at least a year. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's just like, just trying to be conscious of what, what they actually want. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and so how has your, like you said, you came onto this influencer marketing space at the right time, right? You're kind of right there at the beginning and you're really, and you had no there guiding you. It's like, all the pieces fit beautifully together for you to create this social brand that you say, you know? Um, so how has, how has the approach now going to be changing? You think? 
Yeah. So I think that because the beauty industry was exploding and beauty influencers were exploding, I think that the, the top, let's say 100 of them just became so saturated. I think their audience is saturated. I think that everybody's sort of over the unboxing. Mm. You know, they're just like, I don't know about you, but I just tap, 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 tap through that because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm exhausted. I can't, I can't watch it all. I think that's, there used to be an attention for that, but now not so much. So we're sort of thinking, okay, so a lot, the beauty world knows Jue. Like if you're a hardcore beauty fan, yeah, you yeah. know Jue. Mm-hmm. But if you're not, you may have never heard of Jouer and I'm, I'm stepping into markets that I've never been in before with Sephora. And, um, we're now, our approach is really targeting new influencers that like you said, are not jaded, are excited to get a product. Um, and we are completely sort of culling our list, adding, I mean, I sit up at night and I'm like, you know, sending to my team, like, we're going to send a package to this one, we're going to send a package to this one, like, Mm -hmm. there's all these people, I'm just targeting, like, who do we want to send packages to? Who do we want talking about our brand? Because I think the the beauty world, it's just, it's saturated. So we're, we're stepping out a little bit. And saturated, but at the same time, I can't see this idea of not sending influencers. I can't see the idea of sending influencers packages going away, because that really is how you're going to get the word out there. A hundred percent. They, they're the marketing tool Mm -hmm. of this, you know, of this time, this place in time. Um, but I don't think we can rely on them, on their audience as much anymore because their audience is seeing too much. Like, Mm. you know, like it, they're the, uh, why is the audience going to choose your product? If they are, if it's sandwiched in between, you know, 15 other products. Like it's kind of like in traditional marketing right now, there's a lot of, you know, um, I'll have one to say like, what's an example, birdie beauty or, um, style caster, all these like kind of online. Mm-hmm. Like I always say like, mm, I'm not so sure I want to be slide six of 15 in concealers you need now. Mm. Like that doesn't sell my product. So it's really thinking like, okay, who's going to, who's going to actually use this and consistently use it and consistently talk about it. And because that's the audience that I want. So I'm sort of like hitting like fashion bloggers, travel, moms, home decor, you mm-hmm. know, like people that still have a voice and, you know, their followers go into their bathroom with them and you know, want to know what they're putting on their face, but they're not beauty bloggers. I, I see what you're saying. Cause it's like, okay. So, you know, with, with beauty, it's like a part of what these beauty bloggers are doing are, you know, they're constantly reviewing products, constantly reviewing products. Yes. And so even though they might love this Jouer concealer, you know, and they use it and maybe yeah. mention it, but they are now testing out five, six other new concealers. Yeah, and that's right. They might come back to that Jouer concealer or they might not. And so, yeah. like you say, you're going to be one of many because in a way that's a makeup channel's job is to be reviewing yeah. a bunch of different. So it's yes. like, it sounds like what you're doing is you're going beyond that makeup guru and you're going to more the influencer, the personality yeah. influencer who is maybe in a different realm, but they have enough influence that they say, Hey, you guys, I discovered this concealer and this is my ride or die. Like I'm going to be using this and they're not getting a million and one beauty packages that they have to review and all that. Exactly. Yeah. 
That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That makes I sense. Just, yeah. I agree with you. I don't think influencers are going anywhere. When they say like that bubble's popping. No. It's not. No. It's not. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. And they have, they have a very strong voice. And I think though that what's happening is a lot of the influencers are using their voice for their own brand. They're starting their own brands or, you know, doing the collab that they speak kind of exclusively to. And so that limits you, um, that limits brands like me that, you know, that they're going to talk about their own stuff or the collab that they're doing and not about Jouer. So that, that's a really good point too, because of, you're right. The bigger, the, that's, that's like the evolution mm-hmm. of the, the, the beauty influencer, right? They, 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 they're yep. popular, they grow, they grow, and then they start their own yep. brand. And then, you know, 70% of the time yeah. they're promoting their next yeah. collection or their like next collaboration. Yep. And, uh, it doesn't leave a lot of space for, you yeah. know, for anything else. Exactly. Mm. That's interesting. So if somebody is listening today and they're like, yeah. okay, awesome. Like Jouer would be a dream brand to work with or get on the PR list for what, you know, what would be something that w- you would look at and would appeal to you that you said you're up at night be like, oh, you know, I got to get this person and that person. What would catch yeah. your eye? Well, I mean, first of all, imaging is everything. So mm-hmm. like your images have to align with the brand and you know, I, I give this advice all the time to influencers. I get requests every single day for, to get on the PR list. Like it's without doubt, I get a handful every single day. My company is flooded with emails mm-hmm. asking to get on the PR list. So it's just truly impossible for us to do that. But that said, we have people on our PR list who have 5,000 followers. Mm-hmm. We have people who, you know, just because they take amazing images and we need images constantly mm. we're always posting reposting you know and we love content so if that content aligns with us so go on our our instagram page and look at what do our pictures look like for us they're very bright they're you know they're really clear and bright and um kind of feminine if there's like a beautiful flower with it or something that just makes you feel jouer like a nice little Eiffel Tower or a little gold and our you know just our tones if you are um you know really savvy and pick up on that and and create content tag jouer we'll repost it mm-hmm. because we need content so i think the biggest advice is like target the brands that you align with like your style aligns with the, maybe the way you do your makeup or the way you know there's accounts that just do arm swatches that are you know stenciled amazing swatches and how can we not you know post that like they'll do an eiffel tower they'll make an eiffel tower out of eyeshadows mm-hmm. from our palette and like, hello, we're reposting that. That totally aligns with the brand. Like we love that. And then they're going to get on a list and then they're going to get on other people's list because once people get, you know, it's like, it's like that little catchy thing, you know, if they see that they're on Jouer's list. They're going to do those swatches. They're going to send to another brand is going to send to them as well. And, you know. Yeah, yeah. that's, I, that's, that's, that's very interesting too, because it's like the influencer marketing thing is great because you're getting in front of people, even like the smaller micro influencers, right? Their audience, but at the same time, it a lot of it is the images and brands like yourself. They, it's like you need to feed your machine of your, yes. you know, your Instagram account and your Facebook yep. and all that stuff with these images. And yeah. 
it, it really, you know, a lot of times it's like a dual purpose. It's like, okay, this person's small. Maybe they have a decent following. Not, not even, maybe they're just yeah. super small, but their images yeah. are insane. Exactly. A hundred percent. There's, and I, I actually did a highlight button on my, um, uh, my personal Instagram. Cause I have people reaching out to me and I'm always like, go to my, go to my highlight and look at PR. I did a whole little story and I showed examples of, of people we've reposted, mm. whether it's looks, whether it's product shots, whether it's swatches, like we need that content. And as long as it aligns visually with what we do, you've got a pretty good chance of getting reposted. And if you, if we repost you a couple of times, you've caught our eye, you're going to yeah. go, you're going to get on our list. We're going to send you a package. Uh, what about you? We talked a little bit about this, but what about like um, collaborations with influencers? I think mm. that that's something that's something that you've done in the We've past. We've only done one collaboration, mm. and it went really well. It was we did it with Jeffrey Star, which mm. is kind of funny because he's not totally like the kind on you brand. Yeah, necessarily think that we would, but. Um, we did a really fun collaboration with him and it was great. I'm, I'm actually super confused about whether to do them more or how to do them because ultimately I believe that a brand has to stand on their own Mm -hmm. with their own branding. So I'm super conscious of like how the, the brand is represented and everything, you know, from the packaging to the products to our displays, everything has to tell a story. So, mm-hmm. um, a lot of, I, I don't, I mean, a, a lot of brands are less appealing because they're just doing nothing but collaborations. And you're like, who is this brand? What am I buying? I'm buying the, this collab, but am I buying that brand? I don't really care about the brand. I care about that influencer. So I'm trying to build a brand. I'm very, you know, brand conscious. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, the, the exposure with collaborations is amazing. So I think we're just like, we're really brainstorming in 2019. Like, is it, you know, a jewelry company? Is it, is it, maybe it's not an influencer. Maybe it's another, like a brand that mm. we want to kind of co-brand with, or if it, I, just, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I'm confused. Yeah. 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 I mean, it gets, like you said, the, the, the amount of exposure that you can get by working with an influencer is huge. Cause then that influencer yeah. is invested in that product, they're going to be talking about it night and day. And yes. if they have that true following, then people will, people will buy. I mean, there's a reason yeah. why so many of these influencer collaborations are happening is because they sell out and people buy them. It's like the influencer mafia, because also <laughs> when, an, when an influencer is doing a collab, every other influencer writes about them, mm-hmm. posts about them, does a look with them because they know that they're going to have a collab and they need the reciprocal mm-hmm. attention. Mm-hmm. So they just all sort of do that for each other. So it's like this cycle, you know, it's hard to break into that. Yeah. Um, as a brand, I don't, but I don't know, you know, I don't know what our next kind of move would be in that world. Yeah. Cause like you said, you want to keep the integrity of the brand in regards to like the yes. branding and the focus on yep. the products and the focus yes. on the development of the products as opposed to, okay, yeah. this new influencer. So I know maybe you just do one a year yeah. or something, you know, one yeah. and that's it. And that's kind of the yeah. big deals you do with this one collection yeah. with this one influencer and then that's it. Oh. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. So I know you're big on products and your product development. What are, and this is how we'll, we'll wrap up the, sh- the the show. This has been so amazing. I mean, you've been so, just so much information that you have. You have a wealth of knowledge. So thank you for sharing. 
with with yeah. the audience. Um, but you know, you are big on your product and product development. What are your three just most favorite products f- that you've created from Jouet and maybe a little bit of backstory behind them? Oh, that is, that's, that's like asking my favorite child. How, <laughs> how <did I> <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, all right. Well, I'll start with one, which is kind of an interesting story and that is my lip topper. Mm. So at the time of liquid, I was developing liquid lipsticks. I had this idea because liquid lipsticks were so matte that, um, that nobody, nobody had ever done a lip topper on top of a liquid lipstick. Like that was not a thing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I need a little shimmer. And I was also one of the first to come out with, um, a metallic liquid Mm, lipstick. I love your metallic liquid lipstick. Thank you. I love that. So that was not the old, the, I'll tell you, like we launched at Gen Beauty in January of 2016. Our, um, I think it was papaya, Mm -hmm. like, um, liquid lipstick. Mm -hmm. And, um, within, Two months, Kylie had come out and she, with a metallic liquid, that was the only other brand and Kylie had done it. And she works with, um, I think it's seed. Was it seed beauty or hatch? I can't remember who, who was doing that. They can do it in 15 days. They have like this mm-hmm. pipeline of development of 15 days. So I was like, you're welcome. <laughs> um, but same thing with, so lip toppers, I was like, guys, I think you should be able to put something on top of your liquid lipstick that maintains the liquid lipstick. So it doesn't break down so much, but it mm-hmm. gives you that like amazing shimmer, like some glossy shimmer. And the, the, the person, the, the company that was the lab that was, um, doing our liquid lipsticks literally said no to me. And they were like, absolutely not. You're bastardizing the formula of liquid lipsticks. We won't make that. Mm. I was like, you're kidding me. Like, what are you talking about? Like they were so anti and everybody thought that's a stupid idea and you're not going to be able to sell that. Like, it's just not a thing. And we made a very small run. This was, um, 2015. It was June of 2000. No, it was 16. 2016. And we sold out in one day mm. one day. We sold out of our run. Like it was crazy. And then we were like, Oh my God, how do we get it back in stock and lead times and all of that. But it, that it just kind of really reinforced the idea that I need to always follow my gut yeah. and develop that interests me that I want that are, you know, that you can't just follow what's out there already. You have to like, you know, innovate and do something different. Yeah. You have to be a visionary. You have to be yeah. something different, something unique. And like you yeah. said, a lot of it is really listening to your, your instinct and your gut. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, another product. Well, I, I'm obsessed with our foundation. I have, uh, it's called the essential high coverage cream foundation. And, um, a couple of years ago, and it was actually Desi who said, what's your heaviest coverage foundation? She was like, I'm all about heavy. I want a heavy coverage. And I didn't, I had tinted moisturizers. I had won awards with my tinted moisturizer. I was like, no, I've only got a tinted moisturizer. And I was like, Ooh, I get it. Like Instagram makeup. Mm -hmm. Like we sort of, we need to like nail this heavy coverage foundation. And I, it took me like two years to develop. It was such an intense process developing that foundation, but, um, it is the, like literally like one drop of this foundation will cover your entire face. Like it is the most coverage, but in the lightest weight foundation that you can ever imagine. Like, honestly, it's like Mm. so thin, but covers anything. So like, 
like I'm obsessed with it and I don't ever want to walk around like looking cakey. That is yeah. just not my, I'm not really an Instagram makeup. Like when I do get ready with me, it's a little boring. Cause I'm just not going to just, I'm not doing crazy rainbow eyes and you know, whatever. Like I'm, I'm much more of like a natural everyday kind of beauty. That's mm-hmm. my approach. And I'm obsessed with this foundation. Like mm-hmm. it's really for anybody, whether it's like a natural everyday beauty, but you've got like sunspots or you've got blemishes or you've got like whatever you want to cover with your skin. Or if you want to do like full on glam, it's just like, it's the best. Oh, that sounds nice. That sounds really <laughs> yeah. nice. <laughs> and a third one. Um, a third one. I'm trying to think my blushes. I'm obsessed with my blushes. Nora I just, always tells me about your blushes. Oh, really? Yeah. Love, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, so I, um, I, I just, I, I, I feel like blush is like one of those underrated products mm-hmm. that it, it changes your face. Like for me, it just wakes you up. It just yeah. makes you look healthy and beautiful. And it, it makes your dark circles kind of fade into the back. It raises your cheekbones. Like, honestly, I feel like it's one of those like uh, miracle products and nobody, I, there was it, like, you know, two years ago, I'm looking around and I'm like, literally like nobody talks about blush. It's not a thing. Like, why is why is there no like iconic blush? Like maybe NARS orgasm was Mm -hmm. the one, but, but influencers weren't really talking about it. It wasn't like, you know, it's, they just sort of like skipped over that step. Like they just was like, I never remember applying my blush. Like they didn't really talk about it. And Mm -hmm. I was like, we need to do killer blushes. Like that's just something I want to do. And I had a component that I loved. I was like, Ooh, I need to make something with this. So I ended up doing these blush duos and they are, they're killing it. I think they're like the number six, their numbers, there's, they're like ranked so high on Sephora. If it's blowing my mind, people mm. are loving this blush. And I'm so happy because like, I really believe in it. And I, I made the packaging so outstandingly beautiful that it like, it just like, it sits on your counter and you're so happy to open it. And I love it so much. And so that is just another one. It's, I love. Oh, I know. I, I, your products really are beautiful. They're just beautifully done. Those, that lip topper you're talking about, I tried it. I yes. love it. And the lip, your, um, your liquid lipsticks. I mean, I have oh. so many of them. I love your liquid lipsticks. So hey. yeah, you have wonderful, beautiful products. And it's so, it's been so nice to kind of hear the, the woman behind this incredible brand. So Christina, thank you so much for being on the show. And, um, you know, for maybe anybody who's not familiar with you, where, where can they find you? What's the best way to kind of follow you along on your journeys? Oh, come follow along my journey, which is very crazy. <laughs> I am on Instagram. I'm CZ Jouet. And of course, Jouet Cosmetics on Instagram. Come give us some love. We love it. Um, I, I love building a community with my personal followers. So I've got a little tribe over there that I love engaging with and communicating with. So you, I answer all of my DMs. I, I'm on Snapchat also with CZ Jouet and I, I, I respond to every single DM that I get. So other than the really foul ones, that we, <laughs> we can, we <laughs> can ignore those. Like, no, we block those. But yeah. Yeah. I love, I love answering questions. Anybody who's got a question about, I don't, the, the one question I really can't stand is how did you start your business? Because like, that's such a, like, do I really have two hours? To yeah. Answer you that question? <laughs> it's like, uh, listen to the, listen to Erica yeah, on the, the podcast. Exactly. That's what I'm going to do. Exactly. That's literally what I'm going to do. I'm going to do a swipe up to your podcast, but, um, Thank you. but yeah, like if somebody's like, take a look at my pictures, what do you think? Like, I'll go and check out their pictures. And, you know, so I'm very engaged. I love to like communicate with everybody. So 
um, I love yeah. that. I think that's that's so cool. You truly, there is so much of a passion behind what you do. You can feel it. You can see it. Like you are your brand. Yeah, I love it so yeah. much. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Christina. This has been wonderful. Erica, I love. I can, I want to meet you in person. Yes, we're gonna have to do that. We, we will. We need to that. do a hangout yes. for sure. Yes, for sure. Because that that would be awesome. Thank you so much for Christina for being on the show. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Well, there you go. That is our interview. And if you enjoy this, please give the podcast a review. It helps so, so much. I will see you next week. Mwah.